Merry Christmas, and thank you for listening to The Gathering from Storyline Church. We get so busy shopping for, buying, giving, and opening presents that we may not give much thought to what kind of gift Christmas is. This past Sunday, at Storyline's special Christmas Eve gathering, we looked at what makes Christmas itself the real gift. The band led us in Christmas carols and performed songs by Oletta Adams and Audrey Assad. Let's have a listen. I would like to invite you to do something that we never do here at Storyline, which is to stand and sing with us or carol with us as we celebrate this Christmas season. So Mike and Savannah. All right, we're asking them to stand, wow. Yeah, yeah, we're taking an extra step. It's 2023. Yeah, we'd, we'd love to hear you guys sing with us on these songs. Let's sing together, Joy to the World.
from a big family you might have the system we have we don't get every sibling this uh, a gift we pick one name give one sibling a gift 
and it worked out perfect last week. Anyone's from a big family, you might have the system we have. We don't get every sibling this, uh, a gift. We pick one name, give one sibling a gift. And it worked out perfect last winter. I picked my oldest brother. And I'll ask you, what do you think's a good present for someone who owes you money? <laughs> I got him a gift certificate to me. felt real good. I go, there you go, Mark. Remember that 400 you owe me? It's down to 380. Happy holidays. I love the holidays, though, man. I love that. Anything with the little kids, I always, I always like. Now, I've only been a father for two Christmases, but I've been an uncle for a long time. That's a sweet gig, too. That's, that's why I tell a lot of young people, I go, don't let anyone pressure you to have children. You should pressure your siblings to make something. <laughs> Because you can't beat aunt or uncles, the greatest, right? Because if you have kids, you have to love them all unconditionally. As an uncle, you pick your favorite. There you go. There you go. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's the best part of Christmas. How come you didn't get a Christmas present? Because you're hard to be around. That's why you didn't get a Christmas present. <laughs> Hey, Merry Christmas Storyline. It is so good to be together on this beautiful spring day. Wow. I'm, I am so excited. As you can tell, I've, this is my best Christmas outfit I've got on today. Very excited about my Christmas t-shirt. A, um, a friend shared that video with me, and I just love it. Not just because it's funny, but because I think it gets at a couple themes that are like undercurrents when it comes to God, if we're honest. Like, and how we think about him and how we think he thinks about us. Is life the kind of gift that's just one big gift certificate that God is giving to himself? Like, for instance, I've had more than one person say to me over the years, you know, something to this effect. Like, what kind of God would create a world and people and put us in it and it's just full of pain and suffering just so there's someone to worship him? And I think that's actually a really fair question. I think it's a good question. It's a common objection from those who would probably consider themselves to be not religious. But the other theme here that comes in this, uh, this stand-up routine, it comes from maybe those who are religious. You know, those who are tempted to think that they're God's favorite. Like, you know, they, God likes being around them. I believe the right things. I don't do X. I do Y all the time. And so God likes being around me. I'm his favorite. What can I say? And the question is, is that what God is like? Because I really think there's lots of reasons to think that he might be like that. One of those two things is all of this is life just a big gift that God is giving to himself and or in the midst of that is God playing favorites. And I actually think that taking a closer look at Christmas might help us to work on that question a little bit. What is God like? What does he think of us? So Christmas is the only Christian holy day that's also a secular holiday. And we all know that. It's, it's widely promoted as this time for family and giving for peace in the world. December is the only month with its own soundtrack, right? Every, from the dentist office to the mall to everywhere you go, it's joy to the world, jingle bells, have a holly jolly Christmas. It's just on repeat continually. December is the only month with its own 
costuming. I mean, teachers dressing up in red and green. Store clerks wear elf hats. And you can actually find Santa everywhere. They get pulled over. There's Santa. And I mean everywhere. By the way, (laughs) note to self, do not Google incarcerated Santa. You're not going to, there's some of those pictures you don't want to see, believe me. But people who have no faith at all, or people who have no interest in religion, can and do love Christmas. Now, I think all this is really good. It really does resonate with like the historic origins of Christmas. Many of the ways that we celebrate this holiday. In fact, I think a deeper look at Christmas actually reveals a lot of the basic elements of what we call here together the gospel of grace. The good news that we talk about every week when we're together, that there is nothing we can do to get God on our side because God is already on our side. Now, we don't have time to go through all of the elements, all of the ways that Christmas reflects the gospel of grace, that it parallels what we call the way of Jesus, but I'd like to draw our attention to just two today. And the first one is the use of light. Like one of the first things to happen, to mark, tis the season, is the appearance of lights. Like December 25th comes to just a few days after the darkest day of the year in Europe. And where basically Christmas, the Christmas, what we now call Christmas celebrations, first took shape. So lights always played a really big role in this holiday, but it actually goes back much further than that. In fact, long before the birth of Jesus, the Bible talks about Christmas in lots of different places. But today I've asked my friend Harper Maxwell to read us a passage from the book of Isaiah, a prophecy about Jesus, his birth, and the role his life would play. Come on up, Harper. The people walking in the darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Isaiah chapter 9. Did you see the pants? I, I, I should have gone with those. I have some just like that. <laughs> Dang it. So what is the very first thing that you do when you walk into a room? It's always the same thing. We turn on the light. It doesn't matter what, what room it is, how it's decorated, what the room is for. If the light isn't on, the room is almost useless. In fact, the things in the room, from furniture to any equipment that might be in there, everything that's actually designed to help us only gets in our way in the darkness. It's only an obstacle if there is no light. Now, one of the many things that I love about the Bible is that it really doesn't pull any punches about like what life is really like. This is not a book that skims lightly over the difficulties of our life, of life generally. It says to a people walking 
in darkness. The time of Jesus' birth was a time of violence, injustice, oppression, abuse of power, homelessness, refugees fleeing, all kinds of unspeakable suffering, not unlike today. In fact, this is a picture from the Church of the Nativity this year, which is in Bethlehem. And it's, they called the Nativity this year, God in the rubble. And it's just so sad and so true. And the Bible, I appreciate this about the Bible, it does not like skip over the harsh realities of life. When the Bible describes the world as dark, it is acknowledging that there is evil in the world. And it is acknowledging that a lot of that comes from us and all the things that we do to ourselves, to our fellow man, to create unspeakable suffering and chaos. But there's another aspect to darkness. It isn't just evil, it's also ignorance. Given everything we know, all that we can do, the magic of modern technology, no one clearly, no one, knows enough to cure the evil, stop the suffering, and bring peace and justice and unity on earth. There is no expert, no mystic, no scholar, no tech genius, no spiritual guru or politician that has figured out how to solve the darkness. I once saw an ad uh, for some Christmas thing. I can't even remember what it was for, but it said this. The meaning of Christmas is that love will triumph and that, that we will be able to put together a world of unity and peace. It's saying in this advertisement that we have the light within us. If we can just work together, we can do this. We can solve the evil, evil and the ignorance of the world. But can we? I mean, really? The message of Christmas is not that we can do this. It's actually that we can't. We can't. As much as the talking heads are trying to convince us that their brand of economics or their take on government or their particular re religion can solve the darkness, it doesn't seem to be working. One philosopher, a man named Bertrand Russell, he was an atheist philosopher, and he talked often about the potential, the human potential that we have if we focus on philosophy and science. But then even he talked about how we have way oversold technology and science and the promise of the light of progress that it can bring. Listen to how he describes it. Man is the product of causes which no prevision of the end they were, with no prevision of the end they were achieving. His origin, his growth, his hopes and fears, his loves and beliefs are but the outcome of accidental collocations of atoms. No fire, no heroism, no intensity of thought and feeling can preserve an individual life beyond the grave. All the labors of all the ages, all the devotions, all the inspiration, all the noonday brightness of human genius are destined to extinction and the vast death of the solar system. The whole temple of man's achievement must inevitably be buried beneath the debris of a universe in ruins. Ho, 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 Merry Christmas. <laughs> he was not popular at holiday parties. <laughs> but let's be honest. Is he wrong? In Isaiah chapter 8, the Bible says this. Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land and they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. 
I think this is what Russell is summing up very well, actually. When we look toward the earth, that is, when we look at the resources that we can bring and that we can provide, that we can conjure up, the darkness only gets worse. And I think in this sense, Christmas is actually the least sentimental of all holidays. It does not say, be of good cheer. If we all pull together, we can make the world heavenly. It says, turn on the news. Listen to the experts. Read the papers. Audit the books. Darkness, division, destruction. It was like that in Jesus' day. It's like that now. The message of Christmas is things really are this bad. And we can't save or heal ourselves. Things really are this dark. Nevertheless, there is hope. Hope for a great light. A light not from within us, but a light that has come to us. Behold, a people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Christmas is the invitation to look for, to long for, the God who will do anything to get here with us.
Crystal, Savannah. Thank you, thank you. So, the first thing that we learn about Christmas is this festival of lights. Like, what, what is the meaning of this light that has dawned, that has come to us, that has done everything it can to get here with us, that has stopped at nothing to come to us? Well, Isaiah, in this prophecy, written 750 years before the birth of Jesus, he's using the sun as a symbol. And sunlight brings at least three things to us. The first is that the sun brings us life. If the, if the sun were to cease shining, all life on earth would cease to exist. Now, I was researching this last week, and I looked at a lot of different estimates from a lot of different scientists. And by the way, it is a little bit terrifying how many people are now researching how long will we survive if the sun goes out. And I'm like, are they, is there something they're not telling us? I don't know, but there's a lot of different estimates out there. But the point is, if the sun ever goes out, don't bother buying green bananas because it's not going to be long, okay? We are totally dependent, completely dependent on, our lives are completely dependent on sunlight for our daily existence. The second thing that the sun brings to us is that it, the sunlight brings to us, is it shows us the truth. I am, like, have I mentioned that I'm the assistant JV basketball coach at Lakeshore? I can't remember. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, humble brag, what can I say, okay? So, I'm the, the assistant JV basketball coach, and um, I, so, you know, they're sophomores, and they're turning 16. And what that means is these guys are taking driver's ed. And while I love my players, they're great. The thought of sitting in the passenger seat while these knuckleheads take the wheel, well, it, it feels like a death wish. I would rather the sun would go out than do that, okay? Frankly, I mean, this is how bad it is, sophomore boys. And if you're a sophomore boy, don't listen to this. I'm, I literally will look at their shoes to make sure their shoes are on the right foot most days. It's like you never know what you're going to get with these guys. But the more seasoned among us will remember when cars used to be a lot more, uh, a lot less complicated than they are today, right? And I know that, like, for, for me, I'll get into... Brand, I drive really old junky cars. Well, I'll get into a brand new car and I'll, I'll whine a little bit about like the push button ignition or the 5,000 speeds for windshield wipers or whatever. Um, but one of the good things about the newer cars is the automatic headlights, right? Remember having to actually like, oh, this was, young people just, this is gonna be hard for you to hear, but we used to have to bend forward and pull a knob to turn the lights on. Oh, it was such a pain. But also notice this. As much as cars have improved, cars are not so sophisticated that they don't need headlights. You drive your car at night, or very soon probably, you, drive in a, you ride in a driverless car at night without headlights, and you're going to crash. Light exposes reality. Light is the way we assess what is and isn't. Without light, we are in the dark as to what is out there and what really is. And the third thing I think sunlight reveals to us, it reveals beauty. It reveals beauty to us. C.S. Lewis described it like this. I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, 
but because by it, I see everything else. Without light, we can't see the beauty in life. St. Augustine went so far as to say, all of the beauty in life, everything that we joy, enjoy is derivative of the joy of God. Everything, everything that you love and enjoy finds its origin in God, in the God of joy. And we need light to enjoy that. Without light, we can't see the beauty in life. We can't enjoy it. The beauty of, of life itself would be lost on us. Now, speaking of that, let me take this moment to introduce our newest storyliner, the gorgeous and beautiful Emery Jo Miller. Look at her. Oh, my goodness. Now, without light, we would not be able to enjoy this. I could stare at her all day. In fact, the day she was born, I asked her dad, I go, I want one picture a day. And he's like, I can do that. And it has been, she's just a week old and it's just amazing. She's beautiful. Congratulations to Guy and Lori Miller, right? So behold, a people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Sunlight is given to everyone, everywhere, every day. That's the thing about sunlight. It does not discriminate. Sunlight is for everyone, everywhere, every day. It doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter if you're on the naughty list or the nice list. It is like the grace of God. Light is given freely. And I think Isaiah is using this image to let us know that in Christmas, being a festival of lights, a light dawning on the people walking in darkness, it tells us that not only the light of God brings us life and shows us truth and reveals beauty, but also that God has no favorites. God has no favorites. His light is for everyone, for all of us, everywhere all the time. The second way that we celebrate Christmas, I think that gives us a hint at what God is like and what he thinks about us, comes from the very first words of one of the biographies of the life of Jesus. It's in the Gospel of John. And John brings this idea of light together with another idea. And this is how he describes Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Christmas is not only a festival of lights, a light coming to us, dawning for us. It's the celebration of the word of God becoming one of us. In fact, one translation puts it this way. The word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. I love that. I've mentioned before that my wife and I lived in Los Angeles for about eight years 
And in that amount of time, you spend that kind of time in Los Angeles, you are going to come across a lot of celebrities. And I've had many celebrity sightings. So I, I literally bumped into Dennis Miller one time. I sat, this is a true story, I sat right behind O.J. Simpson at the movies. Um, I said hi to Bono on the street one day. Lisa saw Magic Johnson, Shaquille O'Neal, Whitney Houston, Daryl Hannah. Now, if you're under 40, not one person that I just named, you have any idea who they are, okay? But trust me, back in the 90s, that would have been like seeing Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey right there. I mean, these, were, these people were big, right? It's a big deal. But if you were to ask me, did you ever meet these people? We'd have to say no. And here's why because we never exchanged words with them. I love this passage from John because it reminds us that the light of the world that came to us, that did whatever it needed to, to get here, it came to us in person as God's word. To meet someone is to know them not just to see them, but to talk with them, to hear them, what it is they have to say, and what it is they have to say to us, what it is they have to say for us, what it is they have to say about us. I spent quite a bit of time trying to flesh out that idea, the, the life-changing power of receiving an encouraging, comforting, supportive word from someone who loves us. And as I was working through that section of this talk, a friend of mine recommended that I watch a Broadway show that was adapted into a TV, TV special. And the show is called In and of Itself. And it's a very different kind of show. It's a kind of a one-man play slash performance, slash magic show with a message. It's really unlike anything I've ever seen. And every night, this show ran for three years on Broadway. So I think he ended up doing about 550 shows. Every night, it ends with one person being, their seat is randomly selected out of a barrel of seats. And that person actually comes up on stage and then they're asked to select. He grabs a bunch of letters that he's got in shelves behind him on the set. He grabs a bunch of letters. And then he asks them, please select one of these letters to read. And I was watching it thinking the same thing you are, which is, what in the heck is going on? And then I saw something unfold that I, I think is just so powerful. And I think there's no way that I could ever explain how powerful a word for us, about us, coming to us in love can be. I could never explain it better than this. I've been having letters sent to me and I have, I have enough here for almost everyone, but it doesn't matter. Uh, doesn't matter because each day, each performance, we only get to open one. And today, you have been selected to decide which of these we're going to open. So please go through, decide on one you'd like to open, and keep it for yourself. 
this one. Okay, I'll take the rest. Turn it over on the back. You'll see this is cousin, friend. What did you say? Sister. Sister. Grandfather. Grandfather. Sibling. Do you have any siblings? Yes. Ask. What did you say? Father. Father. Do you, uh, do you have a father? I do. Right now you're holding an envelope, and presumably inside of that envelope is a folded card or piece of paper. But in a moment, you're going to open that up. You're going to unfold whatever's in there. And when you do, into a handwritten letter to you from your father, from your friend, from your nephew, from your son, from your cousin, from your sister, from your child. <laughs> None of us will see that. Only she will see that. What the rest of us will see, in my opinion, it's, it's better. In a moment, you're going to open that up. And when you see this thing transform, we get to see you, the reflection, the conceptual artist, the teacher, the pediatrician, the lieutenant, the unicorn, the dog lover, the fighter, transform into something else. Okie dokie. Uh, you don't even need to read that aloud. That's just for you to read. But we are going to watch... To the Harry Gary Gorilla, despite being away from home for 10 years, I want you to know you're still a big part of my life and very big inspiration. You are everything to me. You are amazing to be around because you are smart, funny, and beautiful inside and out. I'm not sure that I've ever completely conveyed to you how proud I am of 
you. I am truly lucky to have a found a friend as awesome as you so late in life when it gets really hard to do so. I want to tell you how much I admire your independence and your strength, especially to get through the tough times in life. Just in case you haven't noticed, your mama is proud of you. And then she signed at 63, just family shorthand for I love you. You once said to me, Dad, what color is God's skin? Your mother and I said to you, it's black, brown, it's yellow, it is red, it is white. Every man's the same in the good Lord's sight. To your mother and me, you have always embodied this message to the world. Love dad. And he's dying of Parkinson's. And is in the last stages. And every time I see him, I say goodbye to him because I don't know if I'm going to see him again. I mean this. Take a moment, get a piece of paper, write him back. Write her back. Write her back. Write him back. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Christmas is a festival of lights and the life, truth, and beauty that comes with it. It's also the remembrance and the celebration of God's word with us, for us, and to us. Jesus as God's letter to us. What God thinks about us. And together, this light and his word, well, the darkness has not, and it will not overcome it. And maybe our life and our life together can best be thought of as us writing God back. God coming to us this way as light. God coming to us this way as, as his word not as a conquering hero, not as a triumphant, famous, rich, powerful guru, leader, or politician. If you think about it, it's not very efficient. But coming to us as he has, as the quiet word and the soft light of God in the person of Jesus is effective because it shows us so much about who God is, what he is like, what he thinks about us and what he wants for all of us.
Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for this opportunity to be together, to remember and celebrate you and who you are, what you're like, and what you think of us. We're thankful for the festival of lights. We're thankful that you are the word of God, a letter to us. I pray that in this season and all the hustle and bustle that comes with it, that we would take the time to see your light, to hear your word, and to recognize that the best life possible is to be a letter back to you. God, I pray that as we leave here today, you would help us to grow and remain open, alert, expectant, and dependent on you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Merry Christmas, folks. See you soon. Thank you for listening to The Gathering from Storyline Church. Have a blessed Christmas.